welcome to the Rosenfeld Review. I normally would say uh, you're listening to the Rosenfeld Review, but we're doing a little special experiment today. Uh, we're also capturing this via video and uh, inspired by people like Brendan Jarvis uh, and their work with uh, the video versions of a podcast. Uh, we're going to try that here. And um, our guinea pig uh, is a, a really uh, good person. With, it was a good sport. John Fukuda, welcome to the Rosenfeld Review. It's great to have you. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, uh, John, you if you're in the uh, design ops world, you probably know John pretty well. Uh, he's a co-founder of Limina, uh, where he has 18 years of delivering UX and technical design. He focuses on facilitating customers to help them implement scalable research and design operations. So I'm sure you're pretty busy, John. And you're speaking to us from the Denver, Colorado area, right? Yes. Well, um, I guess it's not skiing season or else you probably wouldn't be here with me. But um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, your work. Uh, but before I do, I wanted to thank you, not just for being here, but you're also taking a, a great role in the Design Ops Summit as a theme leader. Now, the summit, if we haven't told you enough during this podcast, folks, it's happening uh, September 8th and 9th virtually. We were hoping to do it in San Francisco as well, but it's going to be just a virtual event. That said, um, we do virtual really well. And one reason is we have great people who work with our speakers and prepare them over the course of months. And John is one of those four folks, along with Alexander, Sarkampari Miller, and Farid Sabatov, who's working, each of them working with a cohort of brilliant people helping uh, birth those ideas into really finely tuned, well-rehearsed presentations that will be at the Design Up Summit. So, John, thank you so much for helping forward the practice of Design Ops, and I'm looking forward to those sessions at the, uh, at the conference uh, in just two weeks. Yeah, it's been my pleasure and honor actually working with with these speakers and uh, getting really excited. We had our group check in today, and um, everyone's really on point. So who's on, who's on your, uh, your your who's part of your theme? You want to run through some yeah. names, put you on the yep. spot. Our our theme is uh, growing practice and practitioners in design ops, and we have Rachel Radway, uh, Katie. Bingham and Joe, uh, gonna mess up his last name, but they're speaking on uh, the many pathways to design operations, not necessarily having a design or research background. As well, uh, we have Jose Coronado, who's global design ops manager at JP Morgan, uh, giving a talk on zero to hero and his path through uh, growing a design ops organization. As well, we have Isaac Heveld of uh, Salesforce, who's given, giving a talk about uh, the chief of staff as an extension of design operations. What a, a great way to kick off the conference. Great lineup. I think it's pronounced Joe Wirtel, but Joe, if you're listening, my apologies if uh, uh, I mangled it. Um, but that's a great group. And uh, I imagine you're seeing them really bouncing off each other, bouncing their ideas off each other, helping each other prep. And uh, it's going to be a nicely integrated program. But let's, let's talk about you, uh, as I promised. So 
One of the things that I know you've been doing, and, and this is not surprising, having been at this for you know nearly 20 years, you talk about scale, you talk about design operations and, and research, of course, but you also fold into the conversation, based on knowing your work, uh, the concept of digital transformation. Now, that's a, a term that's been kicking around, uh, certainly since I imagine you jumped in. And it's often a, a term we associate with organizations that are not necessarily design-led. Uh, and a lot of tech companies, uh, they started digital only. It's in their DNA. But in a lot of other organizations, especially established enterprises, manufacturing, uh, sometimes in, in marketing-led organizations and so forth, this concept of digital transformation is really uh, uh, front and center. Um, is that kind of the, 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 the setting you see this term arising in? And does the term mean something different now than it might have 10 or 20 years ago? Yeah. Uh, so thanks for the question. And I, I see that uh, like the impact of digital on the way business happens today has kind of taken two tracks. So you have the front runners who started operationalizing their digital transactional spaces early in you know late late 90s uh, websites and tra transactional inter internet spaces coming up all over the place and then they settle into you know e-commerce or content uh, management and you know essentially web fronts or storefronts web portals to these businesses and that's where things settle for a little while and we still behave as we normally uh, go about our lives when then another wave of disruption comes and we have very design-led organizations of recognized opportunities to, to fully innovate and revamp the way that you know, people engage with digital services to better uh, enhance their lives, either through convenience or better design or better fitting into their, their lifestyle more meaningfully. And that separation uh, has, it still remains today. So uh, we have a very strong design-led set of organizations that are you know, part of your speaking community at the design ops uh, summits. They share their stories on how they're operationalizing design. And it's um, in that context, the organizations they work in, um, it, it's almost like the future has been achieved for, for those for that group. Mm -hmm. And lagging behind them are like many organizations that are still in the midst of their own, uh, how are we adopting new systems and how, how can we digitize and, and provide digital services to our customers in a way that like better serves them and um, you know, provides them with more, more convenience and, and all the different things that you get from those leading organizations that, that put their services at the, the tip of, of, of your finger on their phone. Um, and, and those are really the people that I think of. Uh, the, their, their leadership is coming more from the technology side of the business or from you know, the business management side of things and less so from folks who are on the ground with real users doing the research and, and understanding problems that exists you know, when it comes to breaking down 
those frictional spaces mm-hmm. that, that happen between customer and, and organizational um, transactions. Um, and those are the ones I want to invite into the fold of you need to learn what it means to become a human-centered business and how to drive uh, your capacity to research and design at scale so that you can better uh, move through that maturity arc of your digital transactions and your digital transformation. So yeah, you're, you have an agency, and so you're necessarily put on the spot to present the, the, these approaches that, that many of us who already are inside especially larger organizations with huge design teams and so forth, take for granted. I mean, you're really, you know, on the spot on a regular basis. I've been there. I know how it feels. And, um, but it keeps you, it keeps your storytelling or at least how you present the value of good design and research sharp. When you are presenting to an organization that's one of those ones that is not design-led or even technology-led, do you have to present a very different picture of value than you do to one that's a bit further along that scale of digital transformation? Or is it just simply maybe using more accessible vocabulary? So is is the value proposition very different or is it just packaged a little differently? Uh, I would say a lot of the times we get into discussions where uh, we have to address issues of culture. So if the value isn't being recognized in terms of how we invest in research or how we invest in a new design system or other ways that we're going to sort of achieve design at scale, that comes from somewhere within the organization, right? So what, what is, what's the, uh, the mismatch in, or the misalignment of what we put our value on as an organization and where we understand the value of, you know, better designing for our customers' um, needs. And so, um, and, and a lot of times uh, at the surface, the concepts that we produce, uh, we present to them around, you know, the value of human-centered approach and, and how you can achieve that iteratively at scale makes sense. But then when it comes to implementation on the ground and how do you actually fold a research sprint into your, your design planning and how do you actually, uh, you know, iteratively build your components in atomic ways, um, they'll, you'll get pushback on the ground from either the engineers themselves or the product managers who are like, no, we're not going to do it that way. So it ends up being a, a, a cultural battle. And some of those conversations are, are they fall more in the change management arena. Uh, and that's where I actually see a function of design operations playing a key role. Um, if you, if you can build alliances and partnerships and actually um, build tiger teams that can demonstrate, you know, the power and capacity of achieving research and design iterations at scale. Uh, the, those are the things that um, so change can be change agents within our organization. Well, let's dig a little bit more into that. That's a really interesting point. And a lot of people listening are are working in design ops, and you know, they're uh, 
they, they have to be change agents one way or another simply by dint of being in design ops now. It, it's not like it's been around for 50 years and, and uh, it's a clear path. I mean, a lot of the people who are doing it are, are change agents simply by dint of, of doing this type of work. But to, to kind of map out a very specific um, responsibility for change among design ops people may be a little new, a little unfamiliar to, to some of our listeners. You know, is it, it's, is it just like the most important thing design ops people should be prepared to do? Or is it just, yes, we have to do everything. They keep, you know, lumping every difficult responsibility in our backs. And, and uh, what shouldn't design ops people be doing? I, I love that question, um, and it does bring a memory of the 2019 Design Ops Summit. Um, one of your your speakers gave a talk where they they talked about the um, the Pacific, North Pacific Gyre, and they they said it was uh, the tragedy of the commons. And there's a ton of work that has to be done in an organization to bring you know if we're talking about digital transformation. Um, the cultural change agents along with that. And um, you do have to pick where your strengths are and where your where battles are gonna have the most impact. And sometimes that's in HR and how do you, um, what, how do you, how do you bend the arc of who, how, what your hiring structure looks like and how you staff designers and researchers to teams and, and um, what's that org model look like? So sometimes it's in, in that arena. Um, other times it's in uh, like the budget arena. So do we even have, you know, hiring capacity? Like, are you guys throwing enough uh, at this problem in the way of investments? So um, the, you, you, there's such a huge host of, of things that come along with, if you're going to fully operationalize a design, a research and design org, all the things that come with it from the tooling to the craft to you know who who what's the team makeup and what are your processes and any procedural changes all this stuff it's so much um you look at where you can have that first win or that first battle and and prove the value of that and then you take the next step um and ultimately i think what design operators and operator uh, operational managers are looking at is where can i show that impact and where can I make those changes that are going to um, provide the most value to the organizations? So I hear you say it's just uh, not to grossly oversimplify things, but it's putting one foot in front of the next uh, and and taking taking that walk forward. Um, I do want to dig in a little bit into um, how it's been working for you, specifically at Limino. Uh, we'll do that right after the break. Everyone, you are listening or watching the Rosenfeld Review. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you want more, not only do we have a whole bunch of podcasts in our archive, but we have something that's very current, very alive, and very engaging for groups. And that is our communities. Rosenfeld Media runs a variety of communities that meet on a monthly basis for video conferences on a variety of topics near and dear to UX people, ranging from enterprise experience to advancing research to design and research operations. 
want to encourage you to join one of our communities. Again, it is free by going to rosenfeldmedia.com communities. Not only will you get a monthly video conference that you can listen in on and participate in, ask questions and so forth, we'll give you access to the recordings. And uh, for some of those communities, we're talking about dozens of recordings with really interesting presenters and facilitators. You'll also get a newsletter. You'll get access to an advice columnist. Yes, we actually are providing advice columnists for each community. And finally, if you're interested in our conferences, our communities correspond to our conferences. So you will be the first to know when programs, uh, when programs go live, uh, when tickets go on sale. And by the way, most of our conferences sell out and other good things about our conferences, such as uh, when the scholarship applications open up. So go to rosenfeldmedia.com communities. You're going to find something that's free, something that's interesting, and it's a great opportunity to find your tribe as well. We'll see you there. Welcome back to the Rosenfeld Review. And uh, I've got my esteemed guest, John Fukuda from Limina here. And we were talking about uh, all the big issues, scale of design ops and, and, and research against a backdrop of digital transformation. That's all. And uh, uh, John does this from uh, uh, the perspective of uh, a consultant. And uh, I'm really interested uh, in what works for you when you're working in digital transformation, when you, you, you know you have a limited window with a client. Um, there, there may be new to what those of us in design take for granted, even in terms of vocabulary for having conversations about these challenges. Are there methods or, or techniques or practices or even metaphors that that help you make an impact with your clients uh maybe not right away but as quickly as possible um well one thing is i'm i'm and i'm grateful to be practicing in this age where uh the tooling has really come a long way so um if we talk to our customers about uh, the value of research and insight repositories, or if we talk to them about um, how you can achieve deploying design at scale with the aid and help of good governance in the design system, that we can actually show them those things in, in almost in real time. We, we can pull up uh, an example research repository, or we can pull up a design system, um, and it can click immediately. And you know what it was like five, 10 years ago, uh, you'd get, you'd have to go through a research, um, you know, project with them and then run, create a report. Um, and these things took time and the value was had at the end. So um, when we talk about operationalizing research and design and, and, and we can sh at the ready show them a repository or show them a design system, um, it, it clicks immediately and they see the value and they can immediately start thinking of how that applies to how they might be able to achieve research and design scale. So you're so. you're doing showing rather than telling, obviously, and that's so nice to be able to do in ways that listen. I mean, you've been at this for some time. I'm sure that wasn't the case not that long ago. Yeah, even like I said, like five years back, and we still have you know our own gripes and grievances. I think um, 
there could so much be better uh, integration between the tools that uh, that span across you know the entire life cycle from getting your research planning up to date and um, then conducting and getting it into the repo to your design plans and how do you sort of build the backlog and how does that fit uh, seamlessly into a designer's view you know what are they looking at as they're pulling up their their wireframes and mock-ups and stuff um, none of that integration is really there so there's still we're still having those cross-functional you know um, meetings we're getting together and, and reprioritizing everything and so like I think I heard you say in the previous podcast, the plumbing for design operations is still an opportunity to yet um, be had. And um, it's one that we do you know, internally here at Limina, we will work on how do we, how can we do some of that plumbing on our own, uh, whether it's with Zapier or any of the other um, integromats and things. Uh, but it has to be something that's meaningful. And then also because we're consulting, it has to be somewhat transferable. So mm -hmm. for creating uh, a repo that's tied in with, um, you know, an Airtable uh, to make sure that that plumbing is transferable as well. Well, that's interesting. I mean, um, you know, like in many situations, the the tooling, the platform becomes the, um, the Trojan horse for the movement. And um, I'm wondering if you're seeing the same thing with your clients with design systems. Yeah, absolutely. Especially um, things that are harder to grapple with, like uh, WCAG compliance, but we can show them um, you have a, a couple things out of out of compliance. And let's just take that example into your design system and uh, let's show you what color contrasting and, and font sizes can do for that. Um, and, and then they see that how it would ripple through your components if you built them atomically and you and um, run that demo really quickly. So um, those those are really great and like you said, de demonstrable things that actually show the value out of the gates. Um, and and we do have a it does help to grease um, the conversations about like hey let's let's implement this for you guys. Um, but well, I think can I stop you there? Thing, I just have yeah, a question ahead. about that about implementation sure. and and using tooling to get a foot in the door. Um, you know, what you want to have happen, I imagine, and what does happen after you, you show them the light of the design system or the research repository is, you know, there's an aha moment where they go, oh, culture has to change. And does that happen right away? Does it take a year? Do they have to invest and maybe even fail in some of these tangible platforms or, 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 or can you kind of help them get to that point before they, you know, light their platform or their own hair on fire? Yeah, that's a great question also, because I think you can do your best with implementing systems and repositories. Uh, it's almost like building it and, and they will come as an ideal, uh, but the real challenges that exist in any organization are the, those cultural um, tropes that you brought up and that uh, 
we build into our conversations on like, if we're gonna implement a design system, there's a lot that comes with it. There's a governance model. We have to, um, you have to come up with the core tenets of how do things get into a design system? How do they age out of a design system? How do you challenge the design decisions that have been codified in your system? And um, all of that is very cultural for an organization. And um, it also means a little bit of uh, perceptual change and thought change on, well, that's not how we build things here. And um, then you get into conversations about, well, how can we, how can we work this in so that there's a seamless integration of a design system? And uh, what are the things that you do have grievances with and how, how might we address those? And, um, and then what are you willing to give up along the way? And if you think about that, those are, those are such human-centered problems that exist at any organization when it comes to adopting any piece of technology. Um, so that question of chain, you know, design ops or uh, design leadership as a change agent or the change management uh, role in the organization starts to happen. There, there's a lot of uncomfortableness that can emerge from these conversations. So, you know, for example, when you are told, uh, well, that's not how we develop things. Uh, to me, that the logical um, response is, well, how do you develop things? And, and there may not be a model in place. And that's not a comfortable thing for a client, I would imagine, to acknowledge. Um, well, we do agile. Well, okay. You know, you know, so what do you actually mean by that? And, um, you know, similarly, you know, you mentioned governance and, um, I, I was actually just emailing with one of our authors, Lisa Welchman, who mm -hmm. wrote our book on digital governance. Uh, managing chaos. And, you know, one of the things that Lisa always likes to point out and, and fairly is that designers often think that we have all the answers. And we often like leave out major things like that we're, that we, we're just not that familiar with, like governance. So there's a lot of opportunities for many players in these conversations to be uncomfortable. Uh, really it's hard to avoid as a consultant how do you help people with that psychology especially sometimes it might be you and your own discomfort sure. i think it has to do with how you position yourself at an organization so i'll just i'll back up maybe a little bit and, and say that limina's stance on providing consulting services especially in the design ops um strategy and implementation engagements is that we'll know we've succeeded when you no longer need to call us. Um, so everything we're doing with our customers is to empower them to achieve research and design at scale for themselves. So if, if, if they're not, a, if, you know, if they're getting pushed back, um, they're only, it's, it, we can't take it personally because they're fighting with themselves at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we take a very supportive role, uh, lead, leadership, servant leadership, I would, I would call it, um, to ensure that, you know, we've done our level best to empower them to push things forward and to adopt, uh, better practices in research and design. 
um, and to, you know, all the cultural aspects that come with that, even including governance and for them to have hard conversations. If, if atomically constructed components is a two-way street between the engineering stack they have and how they're able to deploy things atomically and to the designers in the Figma, you know, setting up their libraries atomically, then you need to set up the design system to accommodate that two-way street, right? And then to have a governance model that sort of works, works at both ends of that. And I think along the way, what happens to you know, teams that are sort of going through their own maturity arcs, whether it's through digital transformation, design maturity, uh, that ultimately they're all going through this process of becoming continuous learners, right? So they're all sort of going through their own personal uh, human-centered matru design maturity arc of their own, uh, which is it's, it's great to see when, when it's happening well. And it, it's, it's hard to see when, when those challenges um, you know, become uncomfortable and, and um, maybe you have to give up concessions along the way. Well, and when they're intractable, uh, it is difficult, uh, but it's also, you know, if you get them to that point of uh, uncomfortable interaction uh, where they just can't really move forward, uh, you've still done your job, I imagine, because that's where they are this moment, but they won't be necessarily stuck six months from now, a year from now. Getting unstuck for them might be a painful, uh, more painful than necessary experience, and you may be long gone. But uh, I think that still constitutes progress. Um, great conversation. Uh, and, uh, I'm sure, uh, those of you who are, um, looking for some outside expertise, uh, in helping, uh, your own organization along with digital transformation, especially, uh, if it centers on research or design operations, you should give John and, and Limino a call. Um, before we wrap though, John, um, in uh, Rosenfeld review uh, tradition, what's your, your gift for our listeners? So uh, I've been listening to, or actually reading Jake Burkhart's uh, posts on Medium. Uh, actually, there's a URL integratingresearch.com will take you to the Medium uh, posts that he's writing on research repository work that he did uh, and, and continues to think about uh, from his work at Amazon as a product manager of their Insight repository. And I'll just say one thing that I love about Jake's approach here is that he's gone deep on what it means to be knowledge manager of research insights. And then also takes a T-shape approach in how do you democratize and scale that value across an organization that has a lot of different product teams and has, um, you know, can actually get much more from, from an insight repository than, um, you know, just a single project team, for instance. I, I love it. And I love the emphasis on knowledge management and in, in research shop operations, which I think deserves more attention. And I'm, I'm proud that the research operations handbook that uh, Kate Towsey is writing for us actually has, uh, it was an enormous chapter in knowledge management. And we, we, we've whittled it down a bit, but it's an important one. So um, glad to see that. Glad to hear about Jake's work. Thanks for sharing it. And thanks for sharing uh, your own experience and, and wisdom with us on the Rosenfeld Review. John Fukuda, great to have you. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the Rosenfeld Review brought to you by Rosenfeld Media. If you like our show, please subscribe and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. I'd love it if you tell a friend to have a listen and check out our website for over 100 podcasts with other interesting people. You'll find them all at rosenfeldreview.com.